0: This special monthly UBU episode on hashtag Black Mental Health is sponsored by Janta Neuroscience and supported by The Painted Brain, a California peer-run organization. Okay, okay, well welcome and welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. And lucky us, it is yet another special episode of Hashtag Black Mental Health. So we have a fantastic, fantabulous, splendiferous guest, and that is Pastor Najuma. And I am actually going to let the pastor introduce herself. So please introduce yourself.
1: Well, hello, Karis, and thank you uh, to the Unapologetically Unicorn audience. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here with you. I am uh, Pastor Najuma pollard The way I like to introduce myself is I'm a pastor here in Los Angeles. I, I'm native Los Angelian. I work at USC. I'm the Assistant Director of Community and Public Engagement. What that means is I do a lot of our forward-facing work out in the community, meetings, conversations around faith, interfaith work, um, community development, social justice, civic engagement. And I'm blessed at this season of my life to be able to marry my professional life with the calling as pastor, uh, because I work in that area of faith 24 seven. And I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother. And uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited about life. And I'm glad to be here with you all today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you here because I heard you speak on a, um, we had this uh, project with uh, California Community Health Alliance Project, and which is looking at sort of what are the community assets and community needs specifically? particularly for the black community in California to help us with our mental health and well-being when we're, you know, you just have to always be mentally healthy, you have to think about it. And then maybe your health isn't so great. And then, you know, then maybe it becomes a mental illness and then maybe there's crisis and then there's recovery and resilience and there's this whole gamut. (laughs) And so how do we think about all of this in our community? And that was part of uh, the work we were doing. And you came and you spoke to us about the role of the congregation. And I love that talk about congregation to clinician, understanding the unique needs of the Black community. So I kind of want to start off with where you started, which was the church as the first responder. Yeah. Okay. Share.
1: (laughs) So when you think of a first responder, you think of Who is the first person on scene in the midst of a crisis? Right. So that which is why typically first responders are EMTs, because traditionally when there's a crisis or an injury, that's who we call. Right. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, there are there's another layer oftentimes to crises especially when you're talking about community crises, right there's often another layer between before you even get to an EMT or before you even get to you know the justice system there's another layer that can often that's often overlooked but in the last few decades has been getting more acknowledgement as a first responder hmm. phase and that is the the church or the faith community and I'll say faith community because, Everybody doesn't go to church, but they might be part of a spiritual Mm -hmm. group of of, of, of many different kind of faiths. And here in California, Los Angeles got 9,000 represented. So let me give you a perfect example. It looks like one of my members calling me late at night because her mother is seeing things and she's asking me to pray before she actually calls the doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. What it looks like when the faith community is a first responder is oftentimes family members will bring a family member or a community member to the church or to the pastor or make a phone call or call the prayer group before there's ever an engagement with a doctor Mm -hmm. or law enforcement or EMT even, right? Mm -hmm. And because the Black community by and large has not led this effort, if you will, or led in the effort of going to get, mental health services the pastor the faith leader tends to be the person that's called when when there's a mental health experience of some kind Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that and there's a you know wide spectrum of that that's the kid who's having a temper tantrum all the way up to the person the the senior in the family that's actually experiencing a dementia episode and the family is thinking let's pray through it
0: right Wow. Yeah. I think this is so interesting that, you know, when we talk about the Black community and when we look at data, the low numbers of of Black folk who will um, access or seek mental health services, we we know there's a disparity in those numbers for for a variety of reasons. Some of it has to do with insurance. Some of it has to do with trust. trust. Some Mm -hmm. of it has to do with, yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, there are no providers there that look like me. Um, So I can um, definitely understand how we're talking about the uh, faith community being that first responder. You know, I was thinking back, too, about my my grandmother. So I grew up, many people know, I grew up all over the world. I'm an Army brat, so... Um, kind of having a stable faith home didn't really happen because we weren't stable. We weren't stable anywhere. We were moving every three years, right? But, um, you know, I could see between my grandmother and my aunt sort of that stability for them. And when my grandmother started showing signs of dementia, actually very late in life, hers was quite late in life, my mother was a bit earlier, but how that family, that that other part of yeah. the family kind of continued to envelop her, that that was a place she wanted to go, that if she wasn't able to maybe connect to other things, she was always, you know, able to be accepted and connected in her faith home and with the congregation. Yeah, yeah. And then it gave her purpose too, because they always gave her something to do. Absolutely. Always gave her yeah, something to yeah, do.
1: Absolutely. And it was
0: just an amazing thing to see as she was, um, you know, living out um, the last years of her life, you know, with dementia and the importance of, of faith in her life and also the faith community yeah. in her life. So
1: yeah. And the, the, the unique aspect of the black faith community is we've we always have made grace for the people in our community who we knew, whether it was dementia or an undiagnosed something we We've always been good at making grace for cousin So and so mm-hmm. and and primarily because for so long we didn't diagnose the thing that we saw. We just said, Well, you know, something going on, you know, <laughs> but but because we weren't seeing. Doctors and therapists for mental health, we diagnose it as well. You know, something's up. You know, well, you know, right. you know, something's going on there. Right. That was our diagnosis. So that's why we say the faith community as first responder. Yeah. Because we are called not only just called on, but we also make space in ways other areas of, of a person's life will not make space for them.
0: Yeah, this is this is really so powerful what you're saying, and I'm snapping, clapping, and thumbs upping. <laughs> but um, yeah. right, because okay, I'll amen too. I could do that too. Um, <laughs> so um, I mean, it's the appropriate place to do it. So always yeah, the appropriate yeah, place. Yeah, but um, you know, because I'm also thinking about you know people who who do, um, and I'm going to use this, the word struggle here with intention. You know, are struggling yeah. in the yeah. moment with their mental health condition, yeah. and other people don't understand it um to be able to go someplace where people will still surround you regardless of
1: absolutely um
0: because isolation is one of the biggest struggles that people have and and you know I'm going to be honest it can be a killer for people lack of meaning and purpose yeah. again a killer for people yeah. and those things can happen sort of within the faith communities and the idea of uh partnering you know with Clinicians, um, with family members, yeah. with the faith community, because like this is seriously, it takes a village. It takes a it takes a village, Absolutely. and the faith community is Absolutely. part of that village. So love that, love that. And so, how do you actually build that relationship with um clinicians? Are there do you guys do like cross training? Yeah. I don't even know yeah. how do you do it.
1: All yeah. So what I've done in at Word of Encouragement, even before that, when I because I come out of the AME tradition, so. Every church I've pastored, we've always had somebody or or an organization that does mental health services be a part of the church. That to, to include members, but also let's have regular conversation. Let's create a bridge. So when, not if, but when someone comes to the pastor and every church where I've pastored, it's been a when, not an if. When someone comes with their senior or their child or their neighbor or when someone calls in the middle of the night or, you know, on their way to the hospital, we have someone to directly connect them to. Right. So what I encourage pastors to do when I have these conversations is find out, first of all, if there's someone inside your church who's a member who works in the mental health services space, right, who does mental health services and then build into a, your ministry with that person, kind of like, okay, this person or persons will be kind of like our resident, you know, services person. Meaning, if someone calls me, like if someone calls me today and say, hey, my son or my daughter, my first call is going to be to Angela. Who's Angela? She's a therapist and she does, she provides mental health services. So they'll, they'll get connected with Angela. And then Angela, in her professional space, will then direct them to whatever the next steps need to be. She doesn't necessarily see everybody as a patient. She can if they want that. But her professional connection allows people to get connected with with whom they need to get connected to for the next step. And Angela's just one of a few people that I have in my phone who do mental health services and know that I'm going to Refer people to them, even if it's just for a quick conversation or direction, guidance, et cetera, et cetera,
0: right. right. Love that. love that. So in your talk, you talked about the um church's first responder, and then you talked about um the empowered village. So is this part of the empowered empowered village is knowing kind of who who who's there, who? can partner up with you like a mental health professional that that won't be giving the therapy but could help with sort of um, making the referral or thinking about resources because they know the field is that part of empowering the village
1: absolutely so our my empowered village looks like Angela who's embedded right but it's also my other two colleagues who are mental health professionals and so I can lean on to, I can lean into either one of them for talks Mm -hmm. for messaging for referrals so it's so there's a village always available Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and and I make that known so people come to our church come to me and they know I know this person has built a network of people and services and but it's also about knowing like who to call like okay no we don't need to call 911 but let's call 988 you know mm-hmm. and i'm speaking as a pastor so it's important i believe for faith communities to establish that empowered village and the village doesn't always mean the village is active but they they are around right. you know what i'm saying right. and you can lean into them at any given moment for whatever resources, information, connections, guidance is needed. Mm -hmm. So I think every clergy person, every leader, let me say faith leader, should have that network, Mm -hmm. that village kind of um, in place. And I think entities that do services, should also build a network of faith communities that they will work with to forward information to. Yeah. To get messaging. Do
0: that bi directional go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, to to say, hey, you know, I don't know if you heard, but you know, this program is available. So if you got people in your church who need X, Y, and Z, this program, these services, this opportunity is available to them. So it's a it's a two way bridge Mm -hmm. with lanes going both directions right right. and yeah yeah so and and again it's it's a new kind of way of thinking about addressing mental health in the black community so everybody's not doing it but the more we talk about i think more people are doing it more churches are and there are churches that i know that have similarly have embedded personnel but they also have Mm -hmm. connections and and I have more pastors who are talking about their own mental health. I just had on my radio show two weeks ago a pastor in l a gentleman young and he's a well young in the sense of he's under fifty um and he shared openly on our radio show about his mental health journey mm-hmm. um and process, and it just sparked so much conversation, which I was very bad yeah. about about men and mental health, right. Yes. Yes.
0: Exactly. Spot.
1: That's still a spooky spot. for Yes. Right? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For and, for and for many. Yes.
1: And even though and I you know and even though we see like social media stuff postings, but what people are actually doing day to day is very different. So. Yeah. And again, it's beyond just normalizing it. It's it's actualizing it
0: because you can yes putting it. it into action. Yeah, you can right, normalize right. the
1: conversation, but are people doing it? And those are two different things.
0: Right, so we 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 talked about sort of the church as the first responder, and then going into this empowered village. I think we talked a little bit about building trust because we know that Black folks sometimes don't go for mental health care, uh, you know, to the mental health center, if you will, or to the psychiatry psychologist, what have you, because there's no trust. So. Right. What is what how do you how do you serve as that intermediary? Is that kind of what, you know, your trusted person Angela helps do as well?
1: Well, so let me say trust it comes as a result of of credibility, right? And I think what had to happen over time is my words had to be credible. Angela's engagement had to be credible. Then we had to be consistent. Mhm. And then trust came. So I don't think trust, we weren't just given trust because I was the pastor. right? And Angela wasn't given trust because she's a licensed therapist. We had to be credible in what we were saying. We had to be consistent. And then when people came to us, here's the last word, we had to hold confidentiality.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: So if someone came to me I had to be credible in, in that I wasn't just saying stuff that I, I I walk the walk, I talk, I talk the talk, but I walk the walk, number mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the pastor's credibility. And then we had to be consistent. So it was like in and out here today, gone tomorrow with the messaging. It's it's been something that we have been talking about for the last eight years that we've been a church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Confidentiality, like nobody knows who is getting help.
0: Right. Right.
1: Unless they offer it openly themselves. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Anybody who's come to me, it doesn't go past me. It doesn't go past Angela. Right. And I know that some of the people that Angela has seen because I've made referrals to her, but she has to, she's been confidential that it, nobody knows who's seeing her.
0: Right. Right. So
1: trust is, has come as a result of that. So I don't think we are just given trust. We have to show those three C's Mm -hmm. because the Black community has been traumatized by other entities and other situations where there was no credibility, Mm -hmm. there was no consistency, and there may not have been no confidentiality.
0: Right. Exactly. So you have to do all of that with intentionality. And as you're doing that, as you're building the trust, then you're also moving from this building to bonding. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So share more about what that means, because we're giving everybody the map here. So say what that also means when you're going from building to bonding.
1: From building to bonding. So as we have built the system, it's an easy kind of flow it's not i'm not pushing up against opposition when we do certain things for example like when we did the, the tag team there was no resistance to that it mm-hmm. was it was very welcomed it was fluid people felt connected to the message they were like yes i need this would help me there was a connection within the community um because there was a trust there. So what we were, so people just really, they were able to really digest what was being shared and even shared it with others from, from what people, from the feedback I received. Um, And then also it's in like, you know, the fellowship, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and there's this openness to talk about where everybody's at, you know, where people talk about them for themselves, where they're at, Mm -hmm. what's going on. And, and so now, you know, those that that they're, getting the help or doing the work we call it doing the work like they're able to say yeah so when I did this or as I'm going through this you know Mm -hmm. so now it's a there's community happening Mm -hmm. around around these issues of of self-love self-care and mental health being at the core of that
0: and I love that I mean it's so what we need right now in in the world period but certainly um in the world today, I don't want to talk about all of the trauma drama that's happening in the world, uh, right. um, yeah. in California yeah, yeah. and elsewhere. But this is what we need, and, right? And,
1: yeah, and and let me say this: this other piece. So the the gentleman who was on my show a few weeks ago, even for him, he he's now able to bond. He was sharing the bonding that's happening, and I can talk about it because it's on the radio, so, radio show, so it's public. But he even shared about the bonding that's happening with him and other men in, in a cohort that he's put together. Mm-hmm. So he has built a system, a process, a, a community, and they have bonded over these kinds of discussions. And then what it did is men who were listening and watching were like, wait a minute, I need that. Or I need to re- replicate that in my community. Right. Right. And so now the bonding has kind of like bloomed out to another level. Right, right. So the circle now widens. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm
0: gonna ask a question. It might be a tough one, and um we can
1: It's okay.
0: <laughs> it is gonna be a tough one. So I think um when we also talk about the faith community, and I, I wanna make sure we can address this if possible, um, right. because some people will say, Well, I was harmed by my faith community. You know, they did mm. like you you clearly said, Well, this yeah. isn't demons, right? But but in some places where people will go. And I'm, you know, I'm not calling out anybody. I'm just calling experiences that people have had. Yeah. Um. You know, they may have been traumatized by trying to pray out the demon that yeah. um, could, yeah. you know, you know, what should someone do? How do we, how do we help continue to educate? But more importantly, is it important for the person to know their choices that they have, or I'm really not quite sure. Like what, what are your thoughts?
1: That's a million dollar question, how to heal church hurt, because I don't know if I have the answer for that. Mm. What I know to be true, I'm I'm going to use Oprah Winfrey's, what I know to be true (laughs) is that when people are introduced to healthy spaces, they know it. Mm -hmm. So the key is to help those who have been hurt by church find healthy faith spaces. That's not easy. Right. Because it's like dating. You might have to go on seven bad dates to get to one good one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is sad. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the reality, Um, especially in a place like Los Angeles, where there's a little bit of everything going on. Mm-hmm. That's really it. it's like getting people to a healthy faith space. Yeah. And I can say and I don't say this, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying i'm saying because i can say with confidence we are a healthy faith space mm-hmm. yeah you know because yeah. we've done the work to be intentional to be a healthy safe space yeah um i have a number of people who are in our church now who when they came to our church were as done with church and they only came because someone said no please come check it out come please i promise you, you won't be disappointed Mm -hmm. And I get that testimony all the time. Like I was done with church pastor until I came here. I was going back. Yeah. Uh, You know, my spouse, they weren't, you know, my kids. And so I don't, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying we've been intentional in our eight, eight and a half years of existence to be a healthy faith space. Yeah. And what I would say to faith leaders, as well as to people in the community are listening to this, if you have been hurt by church or faith groups, please don't give up. There are so many healthy faith spaces, but you do have to seek them out. And it is kind of like dating. You may come across one or two not so great ones before you find one, discover one that really is healthy. So That's that's the best answer I have today. I'm still wrestling with that. Mm -hmm. And if you know someone that's been hurt, help them find a healthy faith space.
0: Thank you for I know that was a question we hadn't really (laughs) talked about, but no, it's
1: okay. I just have
0: this weird feeling that people are going to go, yeah, this is great. But, you know, and and, absolutely they are. One of the things that I've enjoyed about the conversation is that what I'm hearing is about safety, about health about community, yeah. about all of those things yeah. that if somebody hasn't experienced that, what they're hearing is, there is that possibility that that is out there, there somewhere. Is. Absolutely. Right?
1: It, there absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. And and again, and I will just kind of put myself out there to be a resource, even if you're not in Los Angeles, you know, I tell people all the time, reach out to me and I would, you know, I can connect you with some healthy folks because because I know clergy who are healthy. When I say clergy, I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about like, faith traditions i know some folk who are healthy and also folks that ain't unhealthy mm-hmm. and they still mm-hmm. out there you yeah. know they are you can't you know whatever it is what it, it is yeah yeah but i can help i can be a you know reach out to me if you if you you right. know right. someplace and you look if i can make a couple of referrals <laughs>
0: Well, you know, and this is this is again just another important conversation. We we always having these important <laughs> conversations, but you know, and, and people know I disclose. That's that's not unusual. And um, do remember one time being um, hospitalized in my roommate in hospital, this is a psychiatric hospital, mm. um, my, my roommate in the psychiatric hospital. And and these days, by the way, generally when you're psychiatrically hospitalized, you're in a locked unit. Don't ask me why. That's yeah. the only way to do it, but that seems to be the only way it gets paid for or something. But but point being, I'll never forget that this young woman had a propensity for praying. And oh, um, she wouldn't talk to me much, you know, but something, you know, if something upset her, she would get on her knees and pray and I would let her kind of, I would walk out of the room and give her space, what have you. But but then it became kind of problematic for the staff. And I kept thinking, who the heck is she bothering? Like literally, who is she bothering and um, then, then at that point I was like, okay, you're going to bother her. You're going to bother me too. So girl, I got on my knees and I was like on my bed. And I was just <laughs> like, you got to take her. You got to take me with her. But I didn't know this girl from Adam. I, you know, I didn't know her from yeah, Adam. Yeah. I didn't know her from Eve. I didn't know her from anybody, but, but I just thought it was so interesting that, that it was, that it was bothersome, but it was the thing I think, you know, in, in the moment that kept her calm, but I, Absolutely. I think they were perceiving that it was, feeding possibly her delusions or what have you, but I could hear what she was yes. praying about and it wasn't really delusional. So I was like, okay, whatever. And I felt safe being but in the how, room with her. I'm just the, saying. Here's the
1: thing. Yeah. But here's the thing about spirit, right? Like I am a diehard Christian and I was raised in the Baptist church. And I will say this, having traveled to a few countries, I ain't been to all of but I've been to a few. And after what I've gone through with losing my son, God has become way bigger than the Christian concept that I was raised in. And I'm saying that to say, what may look delusional to some is really another person's way of connecting to spirit. Mm-hmm. You don't know that until you've actually really gone through a trauma, yeah, unfortunately. yeah. and you 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 got to go through a really, dark place to understand that, mm. that it may, I know this looks delusional to you, but this is really right. someone connecting with spirit in a way that you can't understand unless you've walked, walked where they've walked or where they are in their mind and, and body. So, and I think we're still learning to understand trauma. Yeah. We've pushed trauma to the side for so long and now we can't push it. Cause you know, people are, people are literally like having serious yeah. Responses to trauma yeah. that's really affecting the world. So I think we are still, as the as the nation, still unpacking trauma.
0: One thousand I think percent. Uh, one thousand percent agree. And yeah. I'll I'll never forget that being able to sit with that that um, you know I had the the confidence, even though I was there in the hospital trying to. <laughs> You know, had my own stuff going on. Right. (laughs) Right.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) That um, it was this moment of just being able to sit with. So what the staff was uncomfortable with, even if I was uncomfortable with it, I said, I just have to sit with it. I have to sit with it. She's my roommate. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. We're in here together. You know, we wouldn't be in here together if there was something untoward possibly that could happen, I would hope. So I really just said, you know, nobody's willing to sit with her. I will sit with her.
1: Sit with her. Yeah. And I think that's
0: kind of sometimes what's needed. Um, you know, and it was a safe enough, there was enough distance. If she's a person who needed space, I'm a person who needs space. So don't be getting all up on top of me, but, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so, but it was that it's, it's that sort of thing that I, I agree. I think we're, we're missing and, um, you know, I'm I'm so glad you're doing the work that you're doing. Um, it sounds like also you're using not just your training and your faith, but your lived experience to inform the work yeah. that you're doing. And that's so powerful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We have absolutely. one piece
0: of wisdom that you want to drop because you know <laughs> we we get into that point where we done a lot of wisdom right now. But um as we wrap yeah. up, you, you know, you've you've drop tons of wisdom, but if there's one piece that you want to leave people with, one piece of advice or information or what have you, what would that be?
1: So Black Church Edition, we had a song that says, uh, have a little talk with Jesus, he'll make it all right. And I have remixed that song to say, have a little talk with Jesus and the therapist. Together, everything can be all right. That's my remix to that, um, and I and I use Jesus because I'm a Christian, but you can replace Jesus with Spirit, God, Allah, Buddha, whatever your faith tradition is. Is like have the Spirit work, whatever. Do your faith work and therapy and a mm-hmm. therapist, and and because together things can be all right, you know, right. things can be okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you for dropping that. Okay. So there we go with another thumbs up, hand clap. Um, what do I do? Uh, snap, snap, and a amen. And if we were, if you could see me, I would be doing the sign language amen, which there's a Yay. I don't know if you've ever seen sign language amen, which I love because it's very I have
1: yes. when you raise the hands. Yes. 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 So
0: I'm um, doing all of that. And just yeah. want to thank you for taking the time out to chat with us today. And you know, for our listeners, you know, I um you know, my uh, producer always likes me to say, you know, subscribe, like, comment, um which I do. see, I said Absolutely. it, I said it, producer, I said it. But the most important, <laughs> <laughs> but the most important thing I think that we could all do is share, share the podcast yes. episode because there are people who, are really hungry for this kind of message, and the only way they're going to hear it is if you share it with them. So please do share,
1: absolutely, and please do share. Yeah, yeah, and feel free to connect with me. I'm easy to find on social media because I'm the same on all the platforms at Juju. So it's I'm all I'm the same on all platforms. So if you put that in your search engine, you'll find me. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I try, especially for parents who've lost children due to violence mm-hmm. i understand now that that's part of my work mm-hmm. and my call now so feel free to reach out to me
0: so for all our listeners until next week thanks for joining us on unapologetically black Unicorns.